Today's episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code PROOPS, that's P-R-O-O-P-S, don't forget the R, at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful, kittens. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming out tonight on this festive Halloween occasion. This one will go out on November 12th, so it won't have a Halloween theme at all, but we wanted to make it spooky anyway by having it in the back of a comic book store. Uh, we've already, have we started? Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's not have the theme song this week. Let's just jump right in. Hooray, hurrah, everybody. Welcome once again to the podcast today. From the salubrious confines of uh, the Nerd Mall here, located uh, uh, right near an alley, uh, in front of a, a very depressed fire department over here, and a very thin entranceway uh, on Sunset Boulevard in the Gracious Liquor Store, uh, Vape District of uh, uh, Hollywood, California. And once again, we join hands and hearts and try to seek solace in each other's company on this uh, festive Halloween Eve, Eve. Eve, and uh, it, but it, uh, this one will be going out on November 12th, so everything I'm talking about now will be irrelevant by the time you hear it, and therefore more important in your mind, because you'll have forgotten about it, and one, you didn't know about it to begin with, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to the show. Um, if I could describe the setting to you here, uh, it's, uh, there's a, uh, it's almost like a wizard's uh, lair, or a place you would go to seek enchantment if uh, you had very little money and no budget, and... Uh, <laughs> That level of mysticism is going on here tonight. Uh, Kelly, a longtime friend of the show and a Cincinnati Reds fan, uh, gave me an enormous bottle of vodka uh, for my birthday. Thank you, Kelly. My birthday was, uh, as I've said, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, I'll say it once, I'll say it a million times. I'm 44. And uh, uh, there's a, back, a pack of cards on it and Kelly indicated I should open the cards up. Uh, I should have, of course, opened them up before the show. Uh, but yeah, someone's Lewis just went, mmm. Yeah. Maybe you should have, Greg. Uh, we've seen your dexterity on the stage before and we've watched you try to fiddle with um, newfangled mechanical things like phones and whatnot. Uh, here, will you... Uh, thank you very much. If you could open up that deck of cards there. We have not met, nor have we prearranged anything. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm going in my guise as Propisto tonight. Uh, I know all. I see all. I smell a good deal more than I see in this room. And uh, is there no air back here at all? Does anyone notice that? Is it warm back here? Or is it just that there's a confluence of malevolent spirits that have met <laughs> in lieu of the fact that uh, you can't open it either, can you? It's almost there. That's that kind of can-do spirit that we've come to know here in Hollywood. No one ever says, your screenplay's six months overdue. You're like, oh, it's almost there. I'll have it in your desk whenever. If you're listening in Poopcast Land, this is an awesome time to celebrate whatever ho uh, holiday, I almost said whatever Hollywood is in your holiday, whatever Hollywood is happening near you. Um, I have a Hollywood happening all around me at this very moment, so it's easy for me to wall and uh, bask in the everlasting uh, blue glow. But um, if you're having a holiday, uh, November 11th is, thank you, Armistice Day, all over a good deal of Europe, thanks. 
which that would have happened yesterday. Here we call it Veterans Day um, because we make a habit in America of ignoring veterans almost every day of the year. And so we gave them a, a, a crap holiday that's a three-day weekend that's in the middle of the winter that everyone's like, really, that's when it in? Uh, if you wanted to make Veterans Day, I think you just turn the 4th of July into that. You know what I mean? Um, we have that, we've had enough of the 4th of July, haven't we? Uh, certainly Columbus Day has had its day and gone. I don't think anyone... <laughs> I don't think anyone's holding the line on Columbus Day. Maybe a few Italians in San Francisco and New York or whatever. Like, hey, it makes people feel good. You know, when they think about the genocide, you know, it's nice. I don't know why Tony Bennett is in, is in favor of it, but he is. You know, I've been the Grand Marshal at a lot of Columbus Day parades. And those cats are crazy. The loveliness of the Caribbean is somehow sadly gay. The glory that was Jamaica has gone and had its day. We cut Indians' ears off in Cuba and enslaved them with Powhatan. Um, thank you. I worked Powhatan in. These are Negro League cards as much as I can determine here. Bicycle. Exclusive of champion, exclusive photos of championship teams, Negro Leagues. Uh, wow, these are Cal. I have no idea. We got this Cuban X Giants, Philly Stars, Homestead Grays, Detroit Wolves. Fantastic. Uh, uh, where did you get these, Cal? Found a game shop up in Seattle and Queen Anne's district. Okay, all right. That was a lot more. I knew there'd be a detailed answer with you. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly never says from a dude I know. <laughs> These were bought in the Queen Anne district of, uh, and I almost said Queen Anne. I almost turned into Madonna after she came back from England for a second there. I was in the Queen Anne district of Seattle the other day. It was a bit, bit rainy, a bit drippy. I had to pull up my brolly. And uh, in any case, uh, yeah, well, I was in Seattle uh, just last weekend, and it was fantastic. Thank you so much. There's nothing more thoughtful than uh, what appears to be a magnum of vodka. Now, I don't know what that size is. Is that half gallon? That's full. It's more than a quart. I think half gallon is what the size of that is. I know that it, I'm working out with it tomorrow. <laughs> A lot of lifting uh, and a lot of good times. Uh, I hope that your Halloween was a groovy one. It was always my favorite holiday. Um, I may have told this story before. So be it. Uh, when I was in uh, college, we all went out to the Castro District in San Francisco uh, when I was there in the 40s. Um, it was so much... It was so much fun. Because it was a free-for-all. And, uh, of course, the underclass was allowed to live in San Francisco then. Uh, it wasn't just IT dudes named Dane or whatever who were building apps and destroying the world by being douchebags and booking times at playgrounds where, like, Chicano kids want to play fucking ball because they live there and shit. Uh, in any case, and the crowd's gone quiet, Greg, one day you'll succeed and own a piece of white turf near a Whole Foods. And you're going to want to defend that with every prius drop of blood in your fucking body. You're gonna, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, in those days, it was a freak show. And the Castro, wicked gay, and, uh, and, and everyone took drugs, basically, and they closed Castro Street. And hundreds of, literally hundreds of thousands of people would uh, inhabit this, infest, invest the street and, uh, and, all, and every manner of costume. If I mention this, I, I regret it, but I'm gonna do it anyway because it was my favorite costume I've ever seen. We were on... Um, a load of psychedelic mushrooms and uh, a big giant group of us from San Francisco State we drove out we were in costumes I don't remember what mine was I was young and skinny then and so fuck you is the name of my that was the name of my costume I have big dick you know what I mean like I'm cool 
And uh, I wasn't a cowboy or uh, the hobo. I remember hobo. Always a brutal choice. Uh, in my college, still uh, girls, not all the girls on my floor, but some girls at the school, Playboy Bunny was still uh, was still. Now, would you do it ironically even? Not in the, no one in this room, obviously. This room's far too hip for Playboy Bunny attire. But I'm sure a couple of the women were like, mm, no. Well, if we've gone Playboy, uh, yeah, that one, that one was always brutal. You had to wear a little collar, which was always. Uh, and then um, I remember uh, sometimes women, when they'd improvise, would do Good Fairy, which consisted of just any gown that you had with like a tiara and a wand. <laughs> so they were high too, like on, hey, what's up? And you know, like, you're like on mushrooms and like, is that your dress? No, I borrowed that. You know, like, you know, like, what are you? I'm a fairy. You know, oh, oh. Oh, you were a fairy. Um, my best year, though, I wore um, a jacket. A le- I had a leather jacket, and I stressed this T-shirt. I put blood all over it and tore it up and shit and whatnot. And I had these groovy yellow glasses, and uh, I carried a steering wheel, and all night, like, people were, who are you? And I'm like, James Dean. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That'll give you an idea of how thin I was. <laughs> mind you, you had to explain to everybody, but mind you, everybody asked. <laughs> Years ago, Jennifer and I were on Santa Monica Boulevard, and a guy was dressed as Santa Monica Boulevard under construction. If you remember the epic 10-year period that Santa Monica Boulevard was under construction, the guy had actually dressed as the roadway with, like, berms and cones and whatnot. So we're in the Castro, and we're high as the dickens on mushrooms, and uh, we just achieved that grace slick level. And uh, around the corner comes six guys, all wearing um, Oleg Cassini, Jackie Kennedy pink skirts and pillbox hats. Um, and they're not wearing Jackie Kennedy masks. They're carrying the masks on sticks and holding them up in front of their face. And they were moving, as I recall, mind you, I was high, as a flock. They moved in unison. They, every, they did turns, and they ran, they ran to do things. They looked at things. They stopped then they ran other directions and they all fucked off together and I remember being like that's the best outfit I've ever seen to come as half a dozen Jackie Kennedys was just like the effort that it took they had matching pumps all of them like low heel spectators you know and fucking wow it was a Cassini Halloweeny, and uh, that one was pretty brutal. I thought it was a fantastic assaying of a costume. Um, it was when dudes would just like wear a swimsuit or whatever and go like, "I'm Tarzan." You're like, "No, fuck you, man. Make an effort. Make an effort. Do something." Although, uh, if you wear glasses, uh, Halloween is a drag of a holiday. I'll be honest. You can't wear a mask. Uh, you can never even dream about going to a Venetian ball where everybody meets other people and you shag in the corridor with a Comtessa that you hardly know. And you, you, know, you slip and fall down a, a slimy staircase on your way to a, a gondola that's uh, whisking you, well, whisking, that's lulling you away to another location in Venice where there's an opium den and you know, someone's tied to a table and there's you know, some kind of rites going on and someone's wearing a half mask, which is like always, what? And uh, it's it's getting a little Kubrick now, but you get what I'm after. The point is, with glasses, you can't even dream of doing that. You can go as two people on Halloween. Uh, Elvis Costello or uh, Elvis Costello's cousin, <laughs> Snelvis Costello. And uh, I'm not going as Elvis Costello at any point in my life. I, I used to like him when I was a teenager. My feelings about him now are irrelevant to the fact that no. <laughs> 
doesn't shave and he wears a hat. Those are two things that are not going to happen on this fucking show. As long as I have breath left in my body. Um, I like the elaborate costumes, though. I appreciate them. But when you wear glasses, what, really? You, you're wearing glasses. So what, I'm supposed to buy special glasses and come as Theodore Roosevelt? I don't think I'm going to. And you can only go as Roy Orbison so many times. Because you get tired of that question, right? Who are you? And you're like, just running scared. <laughs> when you came home last night. Right? Uh... Oh, look, no, that's the wrong page. Well, there's so much to get through, and so we haven't even started, uh, and we probably won't tonight. That's probably the most disappointing part about tonight's show. I'm pre- completely preoccupied. Um, uh, oh, here we go. Jennifer gave me a bunch of quotes. They're really good. Well, I'll tell you why I'm preoccupied. Um, I, I, the, the gig will be long over by then, but um, I'm... Uh, Danny Elfman put together uh, 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 this Nightmare Before Christmas with a live orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl and it's Saturday and Sunday and uh, um, they asked me to come back and do a bunch of my voices and I'm even doing a couple of other ones and there's special guests and the whole enchilada and it's really uh, it'll be done by now uh, by now I'll be basking in um, a pool of laurels uh, there'll be so many plaudits pinned to me I won't be able to move without making a whispery noise uh, as you know in Hollywood, if you do one good thing, you can live on it forever because no one expects you to do anything new a day later. I was joking, of course, but please. Anyway, I, I suspect it'll have been a fun weekend. I'm a little nervous now, though. I know, I mean, I know my part and everything, you know. I'm a professional. You'll find that. He's all alone up there, locked away inside. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston we've talked about on the show many times. She's a fabulous writer. Uh, She's now swirling in the heavens. Um, Jennifer gave me these quotes from her. Gods always behave like the people who made them. I can't think of anything else when I watch the Republican debates. As Jennifer said, when we have to watch a thousand Republicans debate. Like, could they stop? It's the Preakness. There's far too many Republicans on the pitch. You know what I'm saying? This is three World Cups going on at once. You don't get to have an undercard this far into the election cycle. All right. Maybe I'm diminishing democracy. What I would like to see instead of this is the Green Party, um, the Peace and Freedom Party, uh, the Independent Party, even the Libertarians, whoever they are. I would even invite them. I invite everybody because, as I've said on the show before, I'm never going to tell you who to fucking vote for. I want you to vote for whoever you want to vote for. I'm going to give you my opinion, which, of course, you're entitled to. But I'm not going to tell you who to fucking vote for. The truth is there should be 20 or 30 parties, communist, socialist, uh, uh, the whole enchilada, Spartacus or whatever. You know, there's always some fucking nutbag ass party out there full of people who have one item on their agenda. Or, you know, there's like now I'm sure there's like dope parties that THC is the sole fucking raison to their detra, you know. Uh, because that's the next big jump, right, in California, IA, is to go, is to go Oregon or Colorado. Uh, the best, but we'll go back to the Republican uh, debate, but having it in Boulder, Colorado was a masterstroke. Uh, there's no greater irony than a state that's taken its own f- fiscal destiny 
uh, into its own grubby fucking THC sticky ass mitts that it has to remove to touch actual things. Uh, and then have a bunch of Republicans there who all, I'm sure, would say free market entrepreneurialism is the absolute stanchion upon which America's foundation has been. Oh, yeah, they would. That's what they cleave to, right? Of individual effort and all that. Well, opening up a bunch of fucking free, you know, um, uh, free from uh, any kind of government interference dope places. And they're not, by the way. Of course, they're taxed and everything. I just meant you're able to go in as an adult with, a, with an ID and just buy dope there. It doesn't matter what state you're from. And that was something they never anticipated. Uh, it's such a fucking money spinner that you just want to go like, look, let's have a meeting about Oklahoma. You know, Let, I mean, Kansas, you have no money. People in your schools are bringing like bucket lunches and shit like it's Tom Sawyer. People are having to ride on the back of a shovel like Abe Lincoln and whatnot. They don't even know what evolution or a cloud is or nothing like science is dangerous. Everybody's like Duck Dynasty fucking their cousin in the back of a fucking trailer or whatever. Yeah, you fucking heard me. Things are shitty. Open up Kansas. Just call it the fucking... Inst- what, what's the... Does anyone know what Kansas's motto is? You wish you weren't here anymore? <laughs> what do they say in the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Kansas has a motto. Like California is the, uh, the uh, golden state, right? And New Jersey is fantastically the garden state. <laughs> because, yes, there are beautiful parts of New Jersey, but you're not often in them. <laughs> You're not in them. When are you in them? When did you go to New Jersey last and take a ride through the countryside? That's all I'm asking this crowd here. If they're going to be honest with themselves and let me put down New Jersey properly. If your idea of a garden is a swamp with a human limb bobbing to the surface... What is New Hampshire? Live free or die, is it? And I don't... Vermont is like uh, chubby hubby, I think is their state motto. We unfortunately picked a geological formation that has long since lost its shape. We wish to apologize. Is that Vermont? Did they pick the Stony Man or is it New Hampshire? One of those fucking states is mod, like symbol is an outcropping that looks like a guy's face and the nose fell off a few years ago. <laughs> it would be like if California chose fucking uh, uh, Yosemite Falls and the falls just dried up one fucking day. And everybody, well, those used to be glorious. You can't imagine the sound and the birds and whatnot. We put a Chipotle here now. <laughs> We wanted people to come. Oh, there's Wi-Fi. We wanted men to come. Guys named Dane. But uh, these Republicans all, they didn't talk about uh, fictional characters too much in this debate. They didn't talk about Jesus and shit. They talked about this fictional government that they're not part of. This government that's uh, explosively huge and that's helping everybody get free stuff. Um, a government that I'm not aware of. Uh, and I've been poor and got free stuff before uh, from the government. I remember eating cheese in the 80s. My roommate, Dennis, was a swagglehorn. And uh, one day he showed up and there was an enormous fucking block of government cheese on the table. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, this is government cheese. <laughs> We're like, let's make testies. <laughs> this one's for the Gipper. <laughs> That was Ronald Reagan's idea of assistance to the public. Giant blocks of cheese that were this big. And they had a texture in between Velveeta and um, 
uh, cheddar, but they had a more of an American flavor. They really weren't bursting. Like you wouldn't go, oh my God, this Gloucestershire, a little bit of mustard and I'm to the moon. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Wallace, Wallace and Gromit would have thought it was bland. First, nice bit of Prince Tail, isn't it? And then the dog. <laughs> Is anything funnier than the fucking penguin in the first Wallace and Robin? <laughs> <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, love makes your so-, uh, so the gods behave like the people who make them. Uh, white people make these gods uh, that are these like um, vengeful, gay hating, fucking women smoting baby killer gods or whatever. Like everybody falls into a category, but yet that same god would love to fucking go to the Middle East and drop some fucking payloads on some fucking deserving assholes and shit. Like it's like a Trump has been lying about everything since the minute he came. Um, timely from his father's forehead but uh, the one of the lies that he loves to repeat is one that he's a job creator uh, and two uh, that he uh, in the last few weeks he's had to address the religion thing and he kind of made up some church he belonged to or whatever like, I'm a snagsitarian and I always have been there's one thing we believe and that's creating jobs and building walls <laughs> We believe in a God so big your head will spin. That's how big my God is. And if I'm president, that God will be on the money. The big wall building God. Not Hillary's fucking God. Hillary's God is a uterus that's whining. My God has male privilege stamped all over his mug. By the way, the Donald's look last night, absolutely exquisite. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a fisting rodeo in Romania, but the Mater D will often have a hair and suit much like Donald Trump had last night, kind of a weird copper skin tone, hair that there's that, uh, that unsettling, is there a division between you and your forehead begins and the hair starts, or is it just that wispy? Is it a candy cane? Uh, well, candy cane. Uh, is it a candy cane? No. Candy canes are delightful and stripy. He was orange like a candy corn that stopped before it got to the white part. Just the yellow and orange part is all you got. Um, uh, cotton candy. I was going to call it by the English call it, which is much better. Cotton candy is a wonderful phrase. They say candy floss. Uh, which sounds like a kind of a late 60s porn mag. It has that awful, try some candy floss. This week, the candy floss cuties go all the way. Um, it's uh, called candy floss. And that's what his hair looks like. It's far too wispy to have its own dominion. And yet he's still insisting that there's a rich, fertile fucking, you know, forested area. But clearly, the Amazon has been taken back a, a great deal in the Orinoco exposed uh, but he's doing this weird wispo thing and then it, he's just decided to do this at all times now and then when Carla Fiorini was uh, 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 lying uh, she uh, the other gentlemen on, on the side of Trump on flange A or flange B whatever stage left uh, were all watching her and regarding her and let her give her statement and Donald Trump did this through her entire every time she spoke Staring at a weird fixed point like Houdini. You know how Houdini uh, used to, when he would break out of a thing, would stare at a fixed point above the crowd and then, 
you know, all of a sudden he was out of the fucking straitjacket and shit. Trump is in a straitjacket of his own candy floss, orange, man vaginal pussy hair that he has spun about himself. And he's, uh, his own web of deceit and trickery have choked him in the last debate. He didn't really have any good ones last night. You know, in the other debates, he'd say things like, you know, uh, uh, Mexicans! <laughs> he threw in the wall again last night, and then he said Mexico was going to pay for it. And then he was like, how would you like to know how they're going to pay for it? And everybody's like, all right, try us. And he went, I'm going to negotiate it. <laughs> and we're like, you're not going to tell the prime minister of Mexico he's fired, are you? Because <laughs> I don't think that gambit's going to work internationally. Uh, yeah, and uh, so going back to uh, the gods that they make, uh, they they uh, Ted Cruz's god is uh, is that god, and Marco Rubio's god is, and I don't know what Ben Carson's god is. Ben Carson is an anomaly. He's a, he was a neurosurgeon. Um, uh, he. Uh, is decidedly the person at a party that you don't want to get cornered near the refrigerator by. <laughs> he speaks too slowly. My life's not that long. Uh, I get a Dr. Phil kind of vibe. I always ha- I hated that about Dr. Phil. He was, well, the problem is, go! <laughs> I'm busy. I got shit to do. My life is rushing by me like a roller coaster. <laughs> I don't have time to listen to your shit-ass, long, draggy assessment. Go, 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 go. You need to consider... You need to speed up. And that's what Ben Carson does. And he has no... I know he swooped ahead in the polls and all that. He has no proper answer to anything that's actually political or has anything to do with anything, right? Like, if they go... If they're, you know, the budget and whatnot, he... There's a plan. <laughs> when I was boring people to death at the hospital, <laughs> I often took a long time to think of the word pentracity. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Uh, he's still in now. Je- I wasn't going to get to this part till later, but fuck it, we're in the middle of it now. Jeb Bush. Um, I, I already said that he looked like he was lost at the mall. Last night, he, he will have dropped out of the race, I believe, by the time this airs on November 12th. We have two full weeks, and I think the ripcord is going to get pulled pretty soon. I'm guessing there was a meeting this morning that went like this. What? What? Imagine the ugly old man at Jeb Bush's meeting, right? There's not one woman there, and there's one Latin, and that's his wife. And everyone's sitting like this, and Jeb, come on, I said give him a warm kiss. He's come off like a snapping turtle that's bereft of its turt. He's summary. Uh, uh, he's uh, um, tetchy. I don't know if you're familiar with that state of mind. Uh, he, 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 he'll brook nothing. Um, he came into this so privileged with like this giant swinging silver spoon shaped fucking module hanging down where his man patch used to grow <laughs> that he's been icky most since the day jump of this whole fucking election. Trump is actually a breath of fucking fresh air compared to watching the Bush machine grow 
grind to this hideous Hindenburgian fucking failure at the end of their long and horrible reign over America. It's worth it for me to see them go down like this because everybody assured us, as you recall, during the W area, area that Jeb was smarter than him and more cogent and more well-spoken and spoke fluent Spanish and was really going to fucking clean up if he ever got the chance. And they waited too long. Then they dragged his ass out now. He hasn't been governor since 1940. Fucking eight. When he was governor, he engineered the rigged election of 2000 by installing his own attorney general. He also destroyed their Medicare system. By the way, Miami seriously... uh, like Venice, uh, Italy, and the Maldives has a what? 15 years? 10? Seriously. The world, the, the, the water's going up, guys. Whether, whether Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz believe it or not, or who, who was it who said the other day, you can't believe it? Paul Ryan, Jennifer pointed this out to me today, who's going, Paul Ryan is going to be a Speaker of the House, um, said you, science doesn't explain everything. <laughs> It certainly doesn't. Otherwise, there'd be an explanation for you. (laughs) You bizarre, hideous fucking mutant. You misogynistic dude who takes pictures of himself in workout gear with a backward baseball hat while running for fucking vice president. Who called your daughter Bean when she was an embryo because you're a sociopath. It's gotten a little more personal than I intended tonight. But it's a comedy show. Uh, in any case, uh, wow. Uh, so there was Trump and then Jeb. And Jeb uh, tried to take out Marco Rubio. And everybody said Marco Rubio won last night. I suppose he did in the big media scheme of things. CNBC did a piss poor job of preparing. Um, all the questions were personal. And all the questions were super reality show oriented. Like, do you still think the person next to you is a bitch? <laughs> That's what the questions were like. They were at that level. And then they threw it over to the financial guy. And the financial guy actually went, well, if you were going to do a fucking thing, and was talking like that on TV. I want Bill Moyers, and I want him to have the Bible in front of him. You know what I mean? I want a real reporter who I know is a left-wing intellectual. Why? Because they're fair. There is no liberal media. If there was a liberal media, it would be owned by fucking liberals and not by giant multinational oil corporations with interlocking boards of directors. They wouldn't be just five companies that own every media outlet. So when they keep repeating that it's a liberal media, they're playing to their own masters all the time and the grandstand of people who have blue tubs in their front lawn and a lot of hatred. And so... Uh, the, the whole liberal media thing but the CNBC crew uh, the guy really went like hey if you did a thing with the stock market and the capuchando and you're like <laughs> Bill Moyers would go like this the economy of the country is in a dire situation what are you going to do to help the homeless Uh, Those kind of questions are good. Uh, We don't have any money for any more wars, yet people keep proposing that we have more wars. What do you suggest we do? How would you trim the budget? Because they kept saying last night, there's too many government programs and too much free stuff, and we're going to fix the budget, and the government's the problem. We're going to – one guy at the end, I can't remember if it was Cruz or Rubio, said, I want a government so small. You know, that fucking tired-ass trope. He didn't say drown in a bathtub, but he was some sort of it's so small you could lick one side of it and put it on a letter if it was 1971. And... (laughs) 
or some other anachronistic. What did Bobby Jindal say? Jennifer told me that they asked all of them at the end of the first undercard debate, uh, what do you, you know, do you have an app, a particular app? And Bobby Jindal went, I have a Blackberry. And it's like, you're disqualified right now. <laughs> but I met a woman last year. I played Arizona, which, as you know, is the uh, Oklahoma with cacti. And um, my opener in Arizona was like, Can I, what, remind me, what is it you guys hate the most? Is it, is it queers, women or, or, or Mexicans? And uh, they didn't like me. They didn't like me. And uh, I don't know why. Uh, I met a woman who was sitting in the state house there. And uh, she came to the show with a couple of other friends. And we had a couple drinks and chatted after the show. And um, uh, I, I said, what's it like being in the state house in Arizona? Because the house is overwhelmingly Republican. And um, uh, in Phoenix, like every big city, like you go to Dallas or Houston or whatever, there's a gay you know, gay population, people live there, it's metropolitan, da 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 da. Then as you drive out, all of a sudden you hear right? And then all of a sudden uh, there's a, a lot more like American flags on people's roofs and shit like that. Uh, and a lot more road signs that are shot by people who are messed up and angry at road signs. <laughs> I ain't gonna yield. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when I remember the train of thought I was on. <laughs> so uh, Jeb, <clears throat> uh, trying to be a human, his tie was askew. His suit looks shitty. Now, I understand that that's a Republican um, thing. They always want to look like they've just come to their first meeting in a big city. That's their motif. That's why they wear flags and pins to remind them what country they're in. Uh, when the flag started getting worn after 9-11 and Bush started wearing it all the time, then everybody started wearing it. I've never been more repulsed in my life. It really, really makes me... I've not done it. But believe me, I've considered putting a maple leaf on my fucking luggage. But then you realize the last few years haven't been so hot with Harper there. And that even the Canadian papers were like, you know what? The maple leaf on your luggage isn't that guarantee that people are going to wave at you anymore. It used to be if you went anywhere and they'd be like, where are you from? And you went Canada. They'd be like, oh, come on in. Because if you said America, they'd be like, what the fuck is going on over there? And then you're like, I don't know. I don't make policy. I live in an apartment in Silver Lake. I'm not invited to the highest halls of power where men are darkly gloaming. I, I don't, I don't know why we're doing that. I just want you to tell me why they do. They fucking invade Iraq and make it. That was an amorphous foreigner asking you. I've had plenty of... If you want a right-wing point of view, pretty much any cab driver in any country is going to provide you with the street-level view. I had an English cab driver in 2003 tell me that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and that we had to take them out. And I was like, well, I mean, isn't that a bit strenuous? And he fucking stopped the cab and turned, right? And it was British, so he stopped and went like this. <laughs> Not the other way. So I think you'll find Saddam Hussein is a dangerous customer. And I was like, 
Agreed. Drive on. <laughs> Jennifer, I've got a psychopath. I don't know what to do. I want to listen to reggae, but I think he's going to stab me. Uh, Jeb Bush uh, lit into Marco Rubio, right? And he goes, you haven't been at work enough. You know, Rubio has a scandalous voting record. But then... As Rubio pointed out, so did Obama when he was running. Uh, he was scampy in the Senate, hard. And, um, and, and uh, they all talked about the same bloody paper in Florida endorsing him and all that jazz. In any case, Jeb was bettered in his argument because his argument was petulant, surly, ill-directed, poorly timed, and uh, wildly, wildly uh, uh, thrown askew. Like any good performer will tell you, when someone's on the ropes, that's when you don't even have to lean into them, right? You can just go like, I guess you're always going to feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) They told me nothing would change your mind. I realize I'm wearing devil horns, but if I was a serious contender for office, you could see how I would win. Jeb Bush went, you're, you're hardly ever there and you never vote. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you quit? Why don't you attend your resignation? Fucking quit. And Marco Rubio goes, when Obama was running for president, his record was really poor. And the same paper you're talking about, the Sentinel, endorsed him and just shut him down like eight ways from fucking Wednesday, right? And at that point, Bush was like, you know, like, what, what's that general in the Star Wars movie that's based on a, a, a squid? Admiral Akbar. Admiral Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to bread us and fry us. They're going to serve us with lemon and tartar sauce. <laughs> Jeb Bush has descended into Admiral Akbar now. He, is, he has no game at all. Why, why don't you go to work? I did go to work. Why don't you shut up? Shut up. Confederation. <laughs> to give you some background, a week ago, Jeb whose name isn't Jeb, by the way. He has another name. Uh, um, John Ellis. Oh, I was going to do something funny, but all right, thank you. <laughs> I had Mephistopheles teed up. <laughs> I know, I know, it's all right. They, can, they don't all, no, timing's everything. Uh, mine too, mine too. Uh, John Ellis, uh, John Ellis, but, oh, Jeb, right, like Jeb Stewart in the Civil War. That's the other thing I object to. Because it's Jeb Stewart and the, Je- and the Civil War is J.E.B. Stewart, right? And you went by Jeb. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with Jeb Stewart if you're Shelby Foote. <laughs> Outside of that. Uh, no, who's the one who wrote the Civil War? Did I get it wrong? Shelby Horton? Who's the screenwriter? Shelby Foote's the screenwriter. Shelby Horton's the one who was in the Civil War. Wasn't in the Civil War. He's in the documentary of the Civil War. He's the one with the white beard, the tidy beard. And he always does, well, Robert E. Lee. He said, I'm sorry, boys. I'm sorry. Slavery was a... Well, it was a necessary evil. You know, he doesn't say that. I'm damning him. We'll have to probably cut that part out, but... (laughs) 
I always thought he was a bit of a white supremacist. Am I the only one? <laughs> Watching the Civil War documentary, Shelby Horton. Learned, no question, learned. He said there were two geniuses in the Civil War. Robert E. Lee, granted, I grant you, Robert E. Lee was a genius, military genius, and Nathan Bedford Forrest. Well, it's okay to say Nathan Bedford Forrest because he was a cavalry officer of some renown who led a roving band of uh, Confederate cavalry that harassed the Union lines up and down the whole fucking time and was really an effective uh, field general. Um, he also helped start the Ku Klux Klan and was an insane racist. And when capturing one particular installation, they put all the blacks to the sword and their white officers. Uh, and that was under Nathan Bedford Forrest's command. And to go that he's a genius is like, uh, granted. But the, uh, then we're into that uh, semantic uh, minefield that everyone wallows in all the time in all the media, which makes life so fun on Earth. Uh, when people, Greg Gutfeld, uh, who is a friend of mine and runs a very right-wing show, he used to, now he's on, he's, I don't know what his show's called now, The Greg Gutfeld Show. He's on Fox News. Used to end every argument, he would give an editorial on his show, Red Eye, and at the end go, if you disagree with me, you're worse than Hitler. And that <laughs> always made me cry laughing. <laughs> That is fucking funny. If you disagree with me, you're worse than, you're worse than Nathan Bedford Forrest. And Nathan Bedford Forrest, they asked him what was the key to his victory. And he said, suppose purportedly, get there fustest with the mostest. But he didn't, of course. He said, get there first with the most. But that became Confederate lore and whatnot. 90%. That's the percentage of your life that you're in your underwear. Are you in your underwear right now? I am. And underwear gets old quickly. You know that feeling of putting on an old, saggy underwear. It's a bummer. You need to know the feeling of great-fitting underwear that is two times softer than cotton. You need to know about MeUndies.com. MeUndies is the most comfortable underwear you will ever wear. And it's insane how good they make you feel. They fit perfectly, they don't ride up on you, and they literally pull moisture away from your skin so you can stay cool. Right now, I'm wearing a pair of MeUndies, and I'm dreaming that I'm winning the Preakness. MeUndies is environmentally friendly. The materials they use are sustainably sourced from the Austrian Alps, and they're completely natural. They also use a CO2-neutral process with a low-carbon footprint. They save water and energy due to their spun-dyed fiber process. And MeUndies isn't just for you guys. They launched their All of Me Women's Collection, a four-piece line of undies designed specifically for the female body in all of its complex gorgeous as the day's long glory. Get out the photos yourself, MeUndies.com This quality would typically retail for two times the MeUndies price. No retail middleman means more savings for you. Here, let me make it easy. Go to MeUndies.com slash proofs and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. Save even more when you buy a pack of them. They guarantee you're going to be happy with them or your first pair is free. Once you feel MeUndies on your body, you're never going back. Thank you, and thanks to your kittens as well. The show's really reached a shoal. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a show, Gray. All right, I call it a sandbar party. <laughs> Enjoying it so far, you just talking all that shit. <laughs> Greg proves spectacular. <laughs> it's like when a spaceship takes off for Jupiter and there's a possum driving the ship. <laughs> chagalipi, 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 go, 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 right? 
It's like an artichoke. Just peel it off and you have to bite it, but parts of it are spiny. can prick your tongue. It's when you taste that blood that you know you're not voting for jam. So, Admiral Akbar, a week ago in South Carolina, they were on his dick, right? And he's huffy, huffy bunny. The only thing Jeb Bush doesn't do on stage is grind his fists into his hips and stamp his feet. But he should, because that's the petulant level that he's at. Right? Talk about Mary Mary quite fucking contrary. With Donald Trump's and Carson Lumps and Fiorina's all in a row. And that Chris Christie's getting more TV time than me. At one point, I went, is Jeb Bush in this debate? And Jennifer's like, yeah, he just hasn't been on for a while. <laughs> then the camera came to him and he went, hey, hey, hey. Huckabee's still there, by the way. In the corner, grilling a fucking critter. <laughs> I like having Huckabee in the race because I like to feel like H.L. Mencken. You know what I mean? I want to feel like there's a real 19th, turn of the century mountebank running. You know what I mean? A pious windbag in the great old declamatory style, you know? Because Mike Huckabee will make you laugh every once in a while. He'll just say something. Well, you can call it strudel, but it ain't coming in a dish. <laughs> The horns are implied. The horns are explicit. The horns don't belie. The horns are illicit. Uh, Jeb goes, uh, this is at one part. He said to Marco Rubio, I'm going to read it to you from, uh, what is this from? Um, some cocking thing I read today. Uh, while hammering Senator Marco Rubio, uh, Jeb Bush asked if the chamber operates on a French work week. That's what he said. You should be showing up to work. I mean, literally the Senate. What is it, like a French work week? Now, during the last Olympics, the ones that took place in Sakya and um, uh, uh, um, Ruskia, um, the, the Winter Olympics ones, that was Sochi, whatever it was called, where Bob Costas, I, fucking something horrible, <laughs> Ray Milland re-entering the atmosphere, kind of, you know, suddenly he had one giant red eye. <laughs> Tonight on the program. <laughs> Women's giant downhill slalom. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly, are you home? Uh -huh. He said, a French work week. During those Olympics, there was an ad, and I made fun of it. And a guy, of course, my friends knew the guy who was in the ad. It was for Tadlock, right? And he, like, walked out of his McMansion, and he had a wife and kids and whatnot. And he was like, we don't work 50 hours, 40 hours a week. What are we, France and shit? We're Americans. We fucking put our nose to the grindstone until our corporate master tells us to pull our dick out of from under a brick. <laughs> We don't give a shit whether we have any civil liberties as long as we can have ostentatious displays of our own garish wealth. You know, it was one of those ads. And it, and it had a thing, and then he, at the end he'd go, N'est-ce pas? Like, speaking French could be the lowest turn you could take as a human, as opposed to the way I see it, which is like, 
everyone who spoke French to me has usually been pretty sexy, uh, pretty sophisticated. When you go to France, you're like, hmm. The food is off the hook. The bread is to die for. Everywhere I've gone, I've gotten a great meal. The people aren't that rude, and it's fucking lovely. And no one ever eats a shitty fucking piece of shit meal if they don't have to. Whereas here, that's all you're going to get. Uh, it's going to be a Chipotle followed by a Subway followed by some other fucking... Um, there's a corner uh, in Santa Monica and... Uh, um, uh, uh, Fairfax, where there's a, a subway next to a Chipotle in, in what a building that my wife describes as an ass hat, one of those LA ones. That, <laughs> it, it's, it, there's no other architectural configuration. Other cities don't have ass hats the way LA does. But LA will put a hat on top of a building in the form of a rotunda or a square dome. There's, there's so many of them here. And it's, it's, it, there's a post office there and, a, and a, an only dog food place across the corner. <laughs> a yoga and a Whole Foods and a Russian liquor store. So it is, it's, a, it's L.A. in a fucking nutshell. The only thing missing is a filling station and a guy twirling a fucking sign. <laughs> and someone selling you flowers, which, by the way, when you buy the flowers, it's not all the flowers that they've got in their hand. <laughs> In case you haven't, evidently no one in this room has done it, except me. I'll have a bunch. I think my wife would love that. Oh, you had a bunch more in your hand. You only gave me a partial amount. Because I'm a square who pulled up and bought fucking flowers from you. Because I hadn't lived here long enough to understand. There's two things you don't do in L.A. I don't know what they are. <laughs> By the way, and this is a sidecar, uh, I want, the show's over. <laughs> I watched the Honorage movie a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't intended to, but we were taking a plane uh, across the country on a Who's Live gig, and um, uh, it was playing, uh, I can't, United, I think. United's been reduced to... United was a once-grand airline that Jeff uh, Smezik, is it? Semzik, whatever his cocking name was, took $25 million and, and drove the airline into the ground. Um, United used to be kind of classy. Uh, now, um, you sit on a crate, and uh, they give you potatoes, and you have to peel them. And then they set a fire in the, uh, 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 the, the exit row. Uh, you don't have to go through the whole, will you, in the event of emergency, will you be able to operate the door? And now, they just hand you a bucket and you have to rub two sticks together for the first 45 minutes of the flight. And, uh, and we were in first, and they gave us, uh, there was like these little monitors, and on them there was a choice of four movies, and it was uh, Honorage or Honorage. And I can't remember what the other one was. I wasn't going to watch it. And uh, I, wa I was watching it, and Jeff Davis, who you'll know from many stories in Harmontown, uh, which uh, plays here all the time, uh, was sitting next to me and looked over and just went... Now, mind you, he was wearing cold cream, eye shades, and slippers, and curlers. Jeff was in full plain gear, right? And I was like, you're scoffing at my honorage viewing? I think you'll find I'm about to go where turtle doesn't roam. There's nothing that I can add to the honorage deluge, really, other than this. <laughs> um, when a movie's supposed to be a comedy 
um, you should laugh once. <laughs> I mean, even inadvertently at one point, right? You should go like, oh, that is fucking stupid. Or, ah, one of those. Ah. Or, or even, come on. I sat through the Honorage movie. I remember my grandmother's funeral. And... <laughs> wasn't that funny, you know? And I remember not laughing. And that was, the, the Honorage movie, I was able to, if you had asked me to uh, be a mourner at a, you know, some sort of Sicilian gangster thing, I could have done it at the honor while I watched the Honorage movie. I wasn't wailing and weeping, but I was gnashing my teeth and renting my garments. It got biblical, but only partial. Yeah, that one was weird. It's like, I don't know what you're thinking with that one. Well, I do know what you're thinking, but I'm not going to say it. Some people who wear baseball hats um, <laughs> feel that they have this male privilege to carry on wearing baseball hats. And every once in a while, convene a bunch of people to appear at a set, um, many of whom are women in bikinis. And then afterward, they have, feel free to chase those women in bikinis or whatever. And then I believe that's why the movie was made. <laughs> I can't find another reason. I didn't... When I looked online, uh, uh, and I'm online a lot, I am in the midst of what's happening now. <laughs> like Joey Coco Diaz. <laughs> and this is what's happening now. A lot of times I'll be online, and I don't see any petitions uh, in the last five, six years, like, fucking bring back on a rush as a movie. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> There would be more outcry uh, that they would bring back Super Train. <laughs> Thank you. The two people who remember Super Train. It was a TV show that lasted several episodes, and it was about a train, and it was a Super Train. In other words, uh, a lot of you have seen The Hunger Games and haven't thought anything about this because the paucity of your imagination is absolutely fucking life staggering. <laughs> Your lack of frame of reference is an insult to my existence. However, having said that, and since you're here, let's talk. <laughs> in the Hunger Games, in one scene, they get on a train, and Woody Harrelson's on the train, and there's a buffet car or whatever, and you're supposed to believe that's super swank in the future and shit, and all of you are watching this like this is a legitimate way to have a movie. Uh, at no point should a super train be in a movie at any point. This isn't the 40s anymore. This isn't a Melee's Brother film from the turn of the fucking 20th century and shit. Super trains are not a thing. They don't exist. They're not cool. I love Woody Harrelson. With a toupee on a super train, you're spoiling my lunch. You're Tilda Swintoning my lunch. I was going to eat, and then I saw Tilda Swinton, and I went, I know, I don't want to eat. <laughs> You've destroyed my appetite with your super train. I remember I watched the first movie, the first Hunger Games movie. First of all, they're on a TV show, and this is being sold to the children of today, who, I, to the best of my knowledge, have never watched a TV show. <laughs> and the, all right, the whole crowd's going quiet. Greg... You're just fucking jealous because you didn't fucking think of it, man. 
I'm jealous because I didn't rip off the movie Battle Royale from fucking 20 years ago and make the same crap premise out of it that's been what's that fucking Italian movie from the the seventh the tenth victim with Marcello Mastriani isn't that a reality game show where they have to fucking kill people and whatnot it's the oldest fucking plot in the Lord of the Flies is this plot with without the TV show and the crowd goes quiet no it's not Craig she had to fight against a pyramid of food to get a hot guy fucking squirrel on fire was a good one too I tried to read one once I picked one up in a you know an airport or whatnot, or a church and um, because Hunger Games gives me that Twilight vibe like somehow religious people like it which means to me like (laughs) I only read books if Voltaire's cock has been dipped in red ink and rolled over the cover (laughs) if Betty Friedan has sat on the book and left a giant plum then I'll read it the woman who wrote Twilight is a devout (laughs) you know and I'm a devout critic and Fifty Shades for reals story of O anybody story of fucking O which was written by Anonymous. (laughs) Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, in the 70s, you're allowed to pull that shit. <laughs> Written by sparse hair. <laughs> Gross. So, Jeb Bush, speaking of sparse hair, <laughs> Jeb fucking Bush, he said a French work week. Well, uh, using the French as a denigrating thing, like Freedom Prize and all that. And, and uh, the, the Cadillac ad that said that Nespa and then French work week. It, the French don't have a short work week. Their work week is 39 hours long. And um, however, they do have paid pregnancy leave, vacation and uh, benefits. And if you've ever been to Paris and gotten ill, if you call for a doctor, a doctor comes to you for a nominal fee. Um, so, indicting the French system uh, that it's some sort of uh, you know profligate, uh, louche, uh, indolent system of welfare cheats is one uh, erroneous and two uh, highly indicative of the state of mind of the white people that are angry that are running as the thousand Republicans. And <laughs> in France, the taxes are extraordinarily high. And when you get a check, like even a check when you're eating lunch or whatnot, there's all these various taxes written on it. And then you realize when you're in Paris, um, there's three mail deliveries a day and they they clean the streets constantly. That's what tax money buys. The idea that the government is interfering in our lives in some way, well, obviously they are by spying on us perpetually, which has to be stopped. Um, But the idea that the government is innately an evil force, um, the government does think like during an earthquake or a flood um, they're able to send people and food and have medical supplies and shit like that they're supposed to keep the infrastructure of the country going at a federal level the idea right now the state we're in the federal government has almost been destroyed by um, the Congress of the last eight years um, and Bush the eight years preceding that they've eviscerated it uh, I guarantee you and I was alive then in the 60s 
and 70s and early 80s, we had a federal government that responded to things. Our infrastructure wasn't completely fucked eight ways from Wednesday. What the rich people wanted was to install people um, using their uh, proxy uh, by being able to give them money and then the Citizens United um, decision being able to give them unlimited money, basically, and become corporations becoming people um, to support their crap candidates. And then the Tea Party revolution that was engineered by the Kochs and others uh, um, was to stop the purpose of government. The purpose of government is to help people. Um, the government used to have things like, I don't know, child care programs and uh, welfare that fed people. Lyndon Johnson is the greatest president since World War II for a bunch of reasons, notwithstanding the Vietnam War. Um, civil rights were high on his agenda. The Voting Rights Act happened during him. The Miranda decision happened during him. And he said poor children have a right to be fed. Which you haven't heard anyone say since then. And somehow during Reagan's era, it became cool to like hate on the poor. And now we're at this point where we're arguing over tidbits and nonsense and absolute mayhem. Um, we don't want a small government. We want a giant government that works. How will that happen, Greg? Well, um, by taking a bunch of money away from the people that don't deserve it. Like, for instance, there was a blimp that was roaming around yesterday. Um, and the program that the blimp is under is several billion dollars, right? And, and the people they've hired to lobby for it uh, were paid up uh, close to a million, let's see, a $2.8 billion army program. And they scrambled two F-16 fighter jets to keep watches. The blimp that went out of control, crashed around Pennsylvania, finally hit a tree in Muncie, Pennsylvania, and stopped. F-16s were scrambled. Uh, the LA Times wrote a huge article about it. I'm not going to go into it other than to say, Jennifer said the most astute thing ever yesterday, which was, it's time to stop as America, reboot the country, and start over again. <laughs> when a blimp has gone wild in a $2.8 billion program, and we're arguing over whether women should have birth control or people should be fed and shit like that, or whether people are entitled to food, um, it's all gone just a bit askew. And the fact that Jeb Bush thinks that he's a viable candidate, that somehow he was likable, and that somehow he has earned this, and why the fuck isn't everybody giving it to him? <laughs> a week ago in South Carolina, he said, I have, better, I have cooler things to do than get be debased and blah, blah, blah. I'm misquoting it, but that was the general gist. Uh, and uh, I could go back home and whatnot. And I was like, I don't remember anyone asking you. <laughs> If you have cooler things to do, I could suggest a few. Why not divesting the giant Bush family fortune, which was garnered over the, uh, uh, the decades, going back to Prescott Bush, um, selling you know, to the Nazis and whatnot. And then, of course, uh, the, the SNL scandal of the 80s that Neil was deeply involved in. And then W's eight years in office where they enriched all the companies that were involved in oil and armaments uh, during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Why don't you divest yourself of some of that money and help other people? That would be a cool thing you could do, Jeb Bush. Um, why don't you... Shut up and go the fuck back to your rich enclave, wherever that is, and live in everlasting quietude. Uh, and leave us all alone. You, you know, uh, in any case, uh, the French uh, did not uh, ignore the comment uh, that Jeb Bush made. And uh, this is what the ambassador uh, to America said. Um, the, French, the French work an average of 39.6 hours a week 
His name is, um, let's see here, Gerard Arrault, the French ambassador to the U.S. And he wrote on Twitter. Um, here it is. No. Well, in, in any case, it was, uh, uh, we have uh, 16 weeks of paid pregnancy leave, and we're proud of it. We, we don't work, yeah. And I thought, yeah, Jeb Bush. Didn't Jeb Bush say half a million dollars was a lot? For women, or $50 million was a lot for women's health. He thought that was a bit much. I mean, we're talking about women's health. <laughs> There's always women, right? They're just everywhere. I remember when I was in college, we never even had to ask a girl out. Somehow they were just there, attached to my genitalia. Isn't that what women... Oh, Mystic Ball. <laughs> Isn't that what women do? Uh, the blimp. Oh, God, I love the blimp. <laughs> it's just so sad. Uh, people write us, and if you wish to write us, you may. Uh, FamFWorkGreg at gmail.com. Uh, we're coming, we have some gigs coming up. Of course, by the time this one goes, we'll be in Ventura. Yeah, that's right. We're going to Ventura. Ever been out to Ventura? It's weird. <laughs> You'll dig it. None of you are going. I'm going. Jennifer's going. I'm dragging her. We're going to Ventura. It'll be fun. Uh, the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club in Ventura, California, uh, the 18th of November. We'll be at the Bell House. Pardon me. In Brooklyn, the Bell House in Brooklyn, uh, on the 27th. Uh, also, uh, my new album, In the Ballpark, will be available uh, t uh, that day. That's when it drops. It's available for pre-order now on Thank You on iTunes. It's, of course, something I put my heart and soul into. Uh, and it's a comedy album. Uh, but I can listen to this for free every week, and you just talk and talk. I know, but I actually put jokes together back-to-back -to -back for that. Uh, we'll be at the Bell House on the 27th. The 15th of December, we'll be at the Nerd Melt. That's right here in Hollywood. Join us again for that one. That might be a vinyl party. We have vinyl. Uh, Ryan brought it tonight, and um, I'm going to spin it when I get home. On the uh, 30th to the 1st, we'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco. The uh, podcast will be on uh, December 30th, and then we'll be there uh, the New Year's Eve, the 1st and the 2nd, evidently, according to my thing here. Uh, on the 14th through the 17th of uh, January, we'll be in Portland, Oregon uh, at the Helium Comedy Club. The podcast is on the 17th. And on the 22nd through the 24th of January, we'll be in Houston at the Improv. The podcast on the 24th. Also, the 28th through the 30th, we'll be at the, I believe it's called... The Great American Comedy Company. It's in San Diego, California. And uh, the podcast will be on the 28th. I think it's the Great American Comedy Company. What's it called? Just American Comedy. Oh, not great. <laughs> Ryan just said, not great. It's called the American Comedy Company. I think it's great. I, if I told you why, you would believe me. I'm not going to tell you why. They do, however, have an American Eagle on stage, which is slightly unsettling and a bit disconcerting. <laughs> Jennifer was like, really? Through the whole show? I'm like, eh. <laughs> Hats off to Johnny Freedom. <laughs> well, you know how I love my fucking anthems. <laughs> the one they were begging me to sing in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. The series will be over by the time I speak of this. But right now, Casey's up 2-0 over the Mets. And... Uh, the one I was in Chicago, uh, Joel Murray, who uh, I'm in, who's live anyway with, um, took us to a Cubs game, and it was really fun. And the the guy who wrote "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" was on his way, 
uh, on, he was on an elevated train in 1908, and he saw a sign that said "Baseball Today, Chicago Cubs," and he wrote, "Take me out to the ball game." He was a Jewish fellow, and he never went to a ball game. I think maybe 40 years later he might have gone to one, but he didn't ever really go to one. He didn't even know what it was, but he knew what a fucking ball game was, right? And the beginning of the, the song goes, Katie Kelly was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad, just to root for the hometown Kurevi Sue, Kitty Blue, right? It was just real fucking corny. And then her boyfriend wants to take her out, and he goes, and this is what you can do, you can take me out with the ball game, right? How did they have the prescience to fucking have peanuts and Cracker Jack in their fucking song, and Cracker Jack is still a fucking product? <laughs> and is there another product from 1908 that he could have we would have had buggy whips <laughs> <laughs> buy me some driving gloves and some what <laughs> I must crank up this flivver before we go <laughs> yeah cracker jacks uh, anyway Gregor writes me and he wrote uh, well alright this one was it, this guy named Gregor wrote me on Twitter. His name is, his handle is GregorL24. And he wrote me today. And I was talking in the last podcast that you haven't heard yet, but you will have by the time this airs, uh, that, um, you know, like, women don't get any love in sports, right? Abby Wamba retired, and Abby Wamba is the international record keeper. Uh, she has the most goals internationally. Not Landon Donovan, not any man. Abby Wamba does, right? And, um... She's going to retire at the end of this month, and I, I had tweeted she was a legend. And I also said that I thought that women tennis players could take on men tennis players, right? And I said, didn't we prove that when Bobby Riggs played Billie Jean King? And that was in the 70s when I was in eighth grade. In any case, this guy wrote, nothing against women's sports. Well, you know what's coming next, right? It's like, if I said to you, now I'm not racist, but... <laughs> I got nothing against women. <laughs> if she hadn't been dressing that way. Oh, you know what's fucking coming. And I know your heart's in the right place, and your name is even Gregor. But, dude, in future, don't start sentences with nothing against women's sport, and don't start sentences with nothing against the Irish. You know what I'm saying, bro? You're, you're laying down, oh, what a tangled web we weave. <laughs> Nothing against women's sport, but Riggs was 55 when he played King. Yes, it was an exhibition match. The point was that Bobby Riggs was being, uh, as we called them in those days, a male chauvinist pig. And that Billie Jean King was the top tennis player in the world of all women. Billie Jean King, when she first went to Wimbledon in the 60s, slept on people's floors in London and played for no money at that match, those matches. Women did not receive prize money in Wimbledon in those days. She is the one who fought for and got women their professional status in that regard. So you're missing the point entirely, Gregor, and I'm not picking you out um, particularly. Mike Huckabee's missing it as well. Um, <laughs> as is all. Lindsey Graham, I assure you, is missing this point. Uh, no, it's not an equivalency test. It's a matter of respecting your adversaries uh, at a level far above what you're willing to do now. If I told you um, that I thought the three greatest athletes of all time were Muhammad Ali, Pele, and Billie Jean King, you'd be like, but Billie Jean King, think about it. 
idiot, for two fucking seconds. We have professional women's sports now. Why do we have them? Because Billie Jean King took the time out to get herself paid and get women paid for winning prize money in giant tournaments, then started a professional tennis tour, which made women's sport a big thing in the country because she was a giant name and could lend her name to it. Now we have women's professional soccer, women's professional basketball, um, softball, every manner of women's sports. The women's um, uh, international uh, football soccer team has won World Cups, is in the World Cup all the time. Abby Wamba retired with two gold medals in a ring, and no man has that in America. So fuck you. I don't mean fuck you, Gregor, but... Think about what you're fucking writing about, for one thing. If I say that Britney uh, can uh, play in the NBA, and guys fucking write me and go, they scared. Easy, Tiger. It isn't happening, okay? Your little fucking... fucking Dick isn't going to get stepped on anytime soon, okay? <laughs> but would it kill you to even consider the fucking possibility? Or does it have to go to your fucking but women are physically really? Um, I want women in baseball before I die. I really want women in baseball. And I, I don't mean like in a separate league or whatever with that Penny Marshall's there and, you know, <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell's up your dick and whatnot. I don't mean that. I mean women in baseball. But they're physically, you're physically unable to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> If you think men's professional sports are some vaunted Valhalla run by benign individuals with good on their mind, then you are deluding yourself beyond all comprehension. Um, the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NHL and the NBA are horrible conglomerations of white billionaires that got together to create rules for themselves and a game for themselves and a TV product for themselves. It's not a matter of what you like or what you want and shit like that. Although, if it was, there'd be more parity in the teams. You'd be more excited. I love professional sports. Uh, not like anyone in this crowd. This is a, I know, I realize where we are. We're not at the fucking, we're not at the Staples Center here. We're in a comic book room. So a lot of this is gibberish to you. But let me put it this way. If I was rewriting bitch comics. All right. Still a long way to go, this guy wrote. I disagree. What's got a long way to go is your cock to the end of your fucking underwear. Oh, dude. Now, you got to think about this shit before you write it. If I went on Twitter and fucking wrote... Well, guess women will never be as good as men. <laughs> Would you be like, that's cool? <laughs> no, you fucking wouldn't. All right, I'm hitting the guy a little hard. He's just an errant fucking tweet guy that tweeted. <laughs> but of all things to fucking tweet about. What he actually wrote was um, equivalent to McEnroe versus Serena now. Well, you know what? I'd love to see McEnroe play Serena. And I'd love to see Serena stuff one. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. McEnroe is on TV all the time with very little insight into the game of tennis. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're going to get it. Yeah, yeah, we get it, John. We get it. Whereas Serena, who has a very abrasive personality in so much as she's a woman and she speaks her mind. <laughs> 
she's a bit masculine for a lot of men. Right? Isn't that what the problem is? It's not so much that she's a great champion, which she is. It's a matter of that she has broad shoulders and giant thighs and can stuff the racket up your fucking pansy, (laughs) sissy fucking ass while you beg for more. That's what's got you down in the dumps, punky. Men will not have their fucking privilege taken away from them in any increment. I know, I'm a man. I'm a man wearing devil horns. (laughs) By the way, we're on page one. Look at that. Fucking Britannica. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You might have to cut out part of it, Ryan. I didn't mean to say fuck you to law, Gregor L24. Just think about your shit, Gregor L24. I mean, dude. If I sent the U.S. women's football team after you, you would cry like a bitch. And you may notice in women's football, they don't fucking lay on the ground and pretend they're hurt. They don't stall. The men do that. Ronaldo does that. The most famous player in the world does that. He does that. He goes, you hurt me, I get crazy. Mama! (laughs) The women's team just straightens their fucking sports bra and carries on. (laughs) A cat wrote me. Uh, not a. I know it's National Cat Day. It wasn't a cat. A cat didn't. A cat didn't write me. I would if I learned how to write. I'd also quickly before we'd like to jump into this. Uh, before we jump into this, I'd like to. Uh, Bernie uh, Sanders this week um, uh, was. Uh, 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 Sherrod Brown is a longtime mate of his from the Senate and endorsed Hillary this week. And I would like to do my impression of the phone call. <laughs> of Sherrod Brown calling Bernie Sanders. First of all, this is Bernie Sanders' ringtone. Hello! Bernard Sher. You bastard! You got a lion nerve! That was the whole call. (laughs) And if this was 1978, please insert 45 more cents for the next three minutes. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Yeah, you used to have to put money in phones, and it went ding, ding. It was awesome. I like it now. I can just call it like Uber, you know. Fucking smell the guy's clone. Fucking talk to him about shit and whatnot. Yeah, I don't mind if my girlfriend rides alone in the middle of the night with some errant dude who just drives up who's not fucking belonging to any affiliation. That's cool with me. Fucking cool corporate model, man. Rick wrote me at fanmail4greg at gmail.com. Yeah, I read a bunch of them today. Joe Carter, I was talking about Joe Carter who played for the Toronto Blue Jays. I said that one year he hit a very low average and had a lot of RBIs. 
Uh, and I said that it was with the Cleveland Indians. But he played with several teams. And Rick wrote me, Joe Carter hit 302 the year he had 121 RBIs. Per your comment that he had once hit below, which actually spelled hot here, which makes the sentence better, and I'm going to go back. But his career, per your comment that he once, uh, once hot below 220 with the Indians while batting in 120, but his career on base percentage is only 306, not very good. True champion, six postseason home runs. You're the best. Happy Halloween. Thank you. Um, the actual year I was talking about, he played with the San Diego Padres, and he was 30 years old then. He played in 162 games, and he batted 232 with 115 RBIs. That was the year I was fucking talking about. 232. That doesn't even keep you in the big leagues. But he had 115 fucking RBIs, which means that every time he got one of his crap 79 hits, or 147 hits out of 697 ABs, 147 hits, he drove in a fucking run. Uh, That was the year I was talking about. When he played with San Diego one year, he didn't hit at all. But every time he hit, he had a fucking, you know, drove in two runs. So that was the year. And the crowd's like, what's happening now? (laughs) You've been talking about sports. Now you're talking about on-base percentage? We came to be amused. (laughs) Boys and girls of every age. Uh, Oh, we've already done the Republican debate, as far as I can. Uh, Quickly, a couple things. Uh, South by Southwest. Uh, you've heard about Gamergate and all that jazz. Uh, when the whole crowd, man, all right, fuck that, we'll move on. Um, this is the part I wanted to read. It was from, uh, Jennifer sent me this. Uh, Gamergate target Brianna Wu on South by Southwest cancellations. Michelle Lanz and Darby Maloney wrote this. It's from a website called The Frame. Uh, so two women, or a woman, I don't know if Darby's a woman. I presume she is. And then this was a, a sentence and that leads into the article that was under the first picture. And these are the kind of things that drive me mad about journalism. The South by Southwest Interactive Conference in Austin attracts thousands of technology innovators. Well, that may well be partially true in a completely untrue way. However, it also attracts millions of tech hanger-on douchebags and fucking dudes who want to defend their... um, When I did South by Southwest, I had a very good time. Uh, Went to the emergency room, almost died. Now, the point is this. (laughs) I didn't die. Uh, uh, I was talking at my South by Southwest podcast about the Alamo and how the the Texans had fought the Alamo um, to preserve slavery. Uh, The Mexicans had uh, abolished slavery and the Mexican army that was invading under Santayana who invaded and the the Alamo was manned by, you know, uh, Bowie and uh, Crockett and Travis and all that nonsense. Um, They... uh, Jim Bowie was a slave owner, and the guys that come from Tennessee, Crockett and them, to help protect the rights of Texas as a republic, an independent republic, um, against the Mexican onslaught so they didn't have to get rid of their slaves. Now, Jennifer had given me a lot of this information, and I read it to this crowd, and they acted like they were being asked to visit their dead grandmother. You know what I mean? Like, it was a group of white tech guys. Uh, I said, uh, the first show I did at South by Southwest, this was several years ago, I said, the first thing I said was, this is a group of people who've been rabidly blogging about how they hated the last airbender. And that was what the crowd was like. It was guys. They had knapsacks with them. They pulled their computer out of their knapsack. It was just like so disappointing every step of the way, right? You knew there was going to be no good conversation. You knew no one was going to pick up a check. You knew no one was going to order a perno. You know what I mean? 
You know what I mean? It's a bunch of IT guys. They couldn't be square. They're going to fucking get an Uber. They're going to get some beers. They're going to be a fucking drag. No one has good weed. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Drear! So, I was talking about women's rights and abortion and shit, and the whole crowd was just like checked out. And of course, I lost my shit at that point and fucking had to go at them. And then they kind of went like, well, hey, what the fuck? And I was like, you know, what the fuck is this? Um, come out of your coma and understand that there's poor people in the world. Understand there's lots of people in the world. And that you and your phone and your computer and your dick aren't the only elements in the world. And that gaming and shit like that, there's women and whatnot, you know, whatever. Uh, in any case, uh, Gamergate uh, is this whole incident. What happened was this. Um, the South by Southwest Interactive Conference, blah, blah, It takes place in March. No, no, no. I'm not going to get invited this year, you realize. I was invited a couple years ago, and I, and I would go. I, I, you know, parts of it I enjoy. <laughs> the barbecue's to die. It is to fucking die. Um, you know, you can smoke weed out in back of places. Texas. It's Austin, so it's not, you know. It's not like Texas, Texas. It's not like Tyler or whatnot. The cancellations were due to what organizers called numerous threats of on-site violence. The canceled panels include... By the way, um, there were threats of online violence, right? Um, a bunch of dudes uh, emailed women and threatened them personally, threatened very specific physical violence against them, their husbands, their families... And they were going to have these panels at South by Southwest, but they canceled them. But the panels you'll find were feminist panels and that they've done exactly the wrong thing. They've Jeb Bush the motherfucker. The canceled panels include Save Point, a discussion on the gaming community, which was viewed as pro-Gamergate and level up, overcoming harassment in games, viewed as anti-Gamergate. It's important to note that neither panel explicitly mentions Gamergate in the descriptions, but panelists on both sides have ties to the issue. If you want to go on the frame, you can read all the panels and whatnot. I just wanted to... Um, Brianna Wu gets interviewed here, and these are the two sentences I wanted to read you here. Um... What did you think about South by Southwest's decision to cancel the panels? It's a mess. From the beginning, all of us involved were trying to get harassment of women in tech as a topic in South by Southwest. We've been tremendously frustrated working with the organizers to make this happen. One wonders why. Well, the organizers are men, is my guess. Let's step back. For those of you who don't know what Gamergate is, though, Gamergate is a criminal operation to harass women. I've received over 180 death threats. There are some men that are very threatened by the fact that women play games nowadays. And because of that, video games are changing. We're trying to move away. I'm hoping I have your interest now. We're talking about games and shit, all that shit you like. If we were talking about shit I like, we'd be talking about black and white movies with fucking Barbara Stanwyck in them, okay? I'm trying to pander to you monkeys for five fucking minutes here, <laughs> pretending I give a shit about games, but I do in the larger context of the fucking misogyny that is inherent in the gaming community. <laughs> Put her down, you bitch. We're trying to have a few more women heroes. In your case, they actually sent out your home address. They did. They told me they were going to murder my entire family, threaten some very specific violence against my husband. It was so bad they actually made a Law & Order episode about these threats. So it's hard to overstate how much emotional damage Gamergate has caused. The concern, da-da-da-da. 
uh, let's see here, at the very end, uh, I actually get the sense they're trying to do a step out of the situation altogether. They're so invested in being neutral that they're choosing not to give women a voice. Now, this will be resolved probably by the time we speak uh, in two weeks' time. But uh, I don't think it says a lot about South by Southwest, um, much like it doesn't say a lot about Twitter or Facebook or any of the giant online entities when they don't respond immediately and aren't reactive in this regard. Um, it's simply extending male privilege. It's simply um, turning the same deaf air that men always turn uh, to anything women have to fucking say. When there's these kind of death threats and they pull those panels, the, the, the real thing they should have done is go, we're not allowing any misogyny at this conference. That's the first thing we're going to do. Secondly, we're having these panels and we're putting them up front. And all y'all need to fucking learn to check your shit is the third thing they should have said, or first thing. Um, it, like Jeb Bush's um, uh, uh, huffiness, like uh, uh, Sarah Palin's homophobia, like whatever you want to say, um, uh, misogyny at this level, at the gamer level, not acceptable in any fucking way. Just simply not acceptable. It's not an arguable point and it's not something I'm willing to discuss. Um, and therefore we're not. Um, they really needed to do it and they really needed... Uh, they, hopefully they will step up. BuzzFeed and evidently Vox. BuzzFeed's not going, which I find is hilarious because you can go visit BuzzFeed headquarters over here on Beverly anytime you like. It's quite close to here. You can drive by them and go like, fuck you, or whatever, you know. Or like, ten times a kitten was funnier than a balloon, or whatever, you know. Like, you know BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed's pretty deep. The other one, though, is Vox. And Vox, actually, I feel like, gets closer to journalism than even Salon or Slate, really, a lot of the time. Let's be honest. Uh, the level of journalism is so fucking low right now that I don't even think Vox is that uncreditable a source. I, I find them often very informative and... Um, reasonably cogent. When you're reading Rolling Stone to read Matt Taibbi and you realize what we've sunk to at this level, not that Matt Taibbi is a step down in any way, he's a good journalist but that's the point, he's a good journalist it's being able to point to anyone and go they're a good journalist uh, what does good journalism entail? Um, a complete disregard for the paradigm a complete disregard for the powers that be investigative journalism like they did uh, the LA Times uh, against the blimp program <laughs> they sent a couple guys in there or a couple women in there to shit disturb baby that's what journalism is it's upending things it, it, it's saying that the number one story is not uh, that the government's too big or that Trump's running for president. The number one story is there's an inequity between the men and uh, the rich and the poor, that women are mistreated. That's the number one story. There, there's, a, you know, refugees are dying. There's horrible wars going on run by corporations. Those are, those are big stories. Um, the idea that... Uh, you know, Donald Trump's story day after day is... Sorry. I made, I made myself a little hysterical. Um, I was going to talk about Dennis Hastert for a second, but I don't think I'm going to. Uh, the president of Guatemala is a comedian named Jimmy Morales. And he was elected this week. We're always excited to have comedians uh, get gigs. I love it. Uh, I love to see it. Uh, Jimmy Morales, according to this article here by Reuters, is a social conservative and devout Christian evangelical who often cites St. Thomas Aquinas and biblical passages. Mr. Morales grew up in a lower-class family in Guatemala City, selling bananas and shoes in the market with the help of grants. He obtained a degree in business administration and set up a TV production company with his brother, Sammy. He became known for his TV show, Moral. 
Morales morals, where he and his brother played different typical Guatemalan characters from farmers to cowboys. The Morales brothers also produced several films, some of them about a cowboy who accidentally becomes president. Some critics paint Mr. Morales as a frivolous and inexperienced politician, but those who know him say he's cold and calculating. Half-joking, Mr. Morales says he produced the cowboy president film to start promoting his political career. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I pledge not to put uh, them in the cabinet. He's talking about army officers. He's going to demilitarize the cabinet of Guatemala, which um, through, yeah, exactly. Someone just gave a very skeptical ho-ho laugh. I don't know if you heard that one. It went, oh. Um, The American Fruit Company and their tentacles uh, have had a a hold on uh, Central America for decades and decades. And as you know, Reagan um, uh, had a major dick stuck in uh, uh, Central America for the entirety of his administration. And um, we've done nothing good for the people of Central America, as far as I can see, as Americans. Um, We've really been brutal to the Caribbean and uh, Central America. And uh, Guatemala deserves a fairer shake with that. Um, That's why I'm not going to make a value judgment on Mr. Morales' presidency. I'd like to see how it pans out. A right-wing evangelical is not my first choice, but also you have to understand that we're not Guatemalans and we don't live in Guatemala. So I have little, if any, comprehension or understanding of what their particular situation is. I do know that military rule is... uh, some in Guatemala fear Mr. Morales' decisions as president could be influenced by the country's powerful army, which has been accused by the UN and other groups of major human rights violations mm. during the 1960 to 96 Civil War. <laughs> Scores of massacres against the indigenous Mayan groups. In order to avoid any suspicion, we are going to name recognized professionals in each government area, Mr. Morales said. We wish him nothing but good luck, and we hope nothing but peace and prosperity for the people of Guatemala. Um, we're going to leave tonight, but on a positive note, uh, I had a lot of other things I was going to talk about, but it's the fifth anniversary of Gregory Isaac's passing, uh, the cool ruler, and he was um, a groovy reggae star who lived in London and came from a, a real hard town in Jamaica. He made his first record when he was 16 years old, and I want you to play that Gregory Isaac's jam on the way out here. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming out tonight. Uh, you've been a wonderful crowd, and we've had a good time. I hope that you can join me, if not in Ventura, uh, somewhere down the road and you may have noticed that we're also going to be going to uh, Denver later in the year and Portland uh, and I've also just played Washington State it's very important to patronize the states uh, where marijuana is legal because one day all the Republican debates will be held in those states you've been the smartest crowd in the world I've been the smartest man in the world thank you very much for coming out every page that you turn to a satchel page and every bell that rings be a full pop of volume if you have to buy bonds make sure they're Gary U.S. bonds Thank you.